Okay, Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asked God to, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of the Lord, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. I need a drink of water. Excuse me. <clears throat> do you ever get a little dry? Get like that spiritually. Do you ever, do you ever get a little dry? You know what to do when you're dry spiritually? Have a drink. Wow, you're a bit quiet this morning. Do you ever get dry spiritually? What do you do about it when you get dry spiritually? Do you, do you though? You know that thing about putting the umbrella up? What we're inclined to do sometimes when we're dry spiritually and people start talking about it's going to rain and you're a bit grumpy and feeling dry, oh, don't bother me right now. When God says, I want to bless you, I want to do you good, I want to encourage you, I want to lift you up, it's there for you all the time. And we'll see that in a minute. Okay. I have three points, as usual. Pleasing God, enduring well, and giving thanks. But I also just before I do those, want to put an introduction before that. And uh, in verse 9, the, the Apostle Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Why is he praying? He's, he's praying, he's giving thanks, he's encouraging the young church in Colossae. He says, we've heard about your faith and your love for one another. And their love in the Spirit, he calls it in verse 8. He said, I'm praying for you, I've heard about you, I love you. It's worth reminding ourselves that Paul wrote this letter from prison. Very, very important. He couldn't visit them in pers person, but he did something that was far better than visiting them. He prayed for them. The value of prayer and our, and our calling to be a praying people cannot be overemphasized. In Mark 11, verse 17, when Jesus is in the temple turning over the tables of the money changers, he quotes Isaiah 56, verse 7. He says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. We, the church, are the house of God, the dwelling place of God on the earth. And we are to be a praying people. It's part of our high calling. We can work our socks off doing many things and ignore prayer. Have you noticed that? Prayer is the, often the least well attended, the last thing. If people say, what are we going to do? Let's have a prayer meeting. People go, oh. Yeah? Am I speaking to anybody here? Because I, I know what goes off in our heart. You know what? I, I, I remember at Brickhill, I mean, we're a church of, with kids about 500, I guess, and I remember, right, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray over lunchtime occasionally on Sundays. Through till about three o'clock. People would take their children home, but some of us would stay. The best I ever man managed was 35 people. And you think, God, hello, is anybody there? Now, maybe it wasn't a good time. Perhaps it was the time. 
Then we tried Sunday evenings and we managed 60 people. Then we managed Wednesday nights and sometimes we had 120 and sometimes we had 40. Why is it that prayer meetings are always the least well-attended meeting? What is it we struggle about with prayer? It's because we feel we are helpless. Well, you know what? We are. You see, that you have to settle for the fact that unless we call on God and say, God, would you bear your mighty arm and would you answer your promises and fulfill your purposes here through us, we can work our socks off in our own strength and achieve nothing. That's the truth. We might see little success. We might have big gifts, actually, and see quite big things. But at the end of the day, the only things that give lasting value are the things that God produces. It's true. The only thing that has lasting value is what God does. That's why it's so good that you're born again, because I didn't do that to you, he did. That means you've got lasting value. Imagine if Gene's salvation was all wrapped up in me. Ah. Oh. Well, that wouldn't have any lasting value because I can't, do, I can't make a brand new on the inside. I, 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 can't, I, I can maybe patch up a few things like we heard, but it would be a mess. But God makes us brand new. And it's totally a work of God. We need to understand that as Jesus builds his church, everything we do in way of success will be totally a work of God. And so what do we do? We get to the prayer meeting, we call on God, we hammer on the gates of heaven, we learn to be a praying people because my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Are we okay with that? Got a clue that my introduction's about prayer. Paul, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Prayer is hard work. That's another reason people don't come to the prayer meeting. I struggle to concentrate. Yes. I'm not sure what to say. I've said it once. Can I say it again? Yes. God doesn't mind how many times you repeat yourself, but it's not about the amount of words you use. It's your heart, your attitude, and are you praying in the Spirit? Paul in chapter, uh, verse 12 of chapter 4 speaks of Epaphras wrestling in prayer for the Colossian church. He says, he's working hard for you. You know what, I need to tell you, there are people working hard for us here in Jubilee that you don't know. I know my mom and dad are. They pray every day. For Gene and I, for our family, for my brother, his family, my brother leads a church, they pray for his church, they pray for Jubilee every day. You'll probably never know. Well, they have been here, but you wouldn't remember them. But there'll be other people all over this country and maybe different parts of the world who are praying for Jubilee Church, Teesside. Thank you, Lord. Bring it on. Can we have more of it, please? I often said it, I'm a victim of prayer. Anybody here a victim of prayer? What I mean by that is this. My grandmother, a godly woman, had four daughters. And her husband dies when, when the youngest daughter, my mom, is about 11. And so she brings up these four girls. And she prays for them every day of her life. I think I've told you this. And then she, when the grandchildren came, which is me and my brother and Michael and, and, and Christine, my, my cousins, they, she prayed for them every day. And we're all born again. And she kept praying, she kept praying until she died. And now every day my mum prays for me, and she prays for my kids and the grandchildren. We become victims of prayer. We, we, we're, I'm a product of answered prayer. Now does that mean, oh, my freedom was taken away, not for a second. But it's so important we understand that we wrestle in prayer, and in prayer mighty things happen that go on for generations. You understand that? We're not just here today and gone tomorrow. It's, it's, it, prayer is vital. Persistent, faithful prayer. I'm humbled when I, I, I understand the, the prayer life of my parents. I just think, oh God, help me be that faithful. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful.
prayer is vital if we would see God's purposes fulfilled in Teesside. And so we're having this prayer meeting here next Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. This is for the whole church. Okay, I, I, this isn't just, oh, well, just the prayer meeting. No, no, it's for the whole church. It's actually the most important meeting we'll have every month, bar none. And I don't, that's, I don't say that to manipulate you or how many people can we get here. It's just that this is the powerhouse. It will be the powerhouse of everything that happens in Teesside. And therefore, it will need, if we're really committed to it, we'll be saying, you know, God, help me be there. Help me stir myself and be there. And I understand the effort that takes, because I struggle too. Also, on top of this, we're going to have a week of prayer from the 26th of February through to the 4th of March. On both those Sundays, the beginning and the end, we'll be praying here again at 7 o'clock. Okay, so there's two prayer meetings in February. One next Sunday, then one again on the 26th of February. They'll always be here, not at Melbourne. The reason here is because Melbourne will restrict its numbers. I'd like to have 100 people at the prayer meeting, 150 people at the prayer meeting. I'd like this to be the prayer meeting. Have you got me? See, this is... I want the prayer meeting to be the thing that everybody fights to get to. It's a prayer meeting. I've got to be there. That's what we're aiming for. That's what I'm asking God for. It will be a work of grace, but I'm going to encourage you. Now, during that week of prayer, I want every group that meets to make it a prayer meeting. Every big group, make it a prayer meeting. It'd be also great if you can arrange to meet in your prayer teams, maybe more than once that week. Make it a prayer meeting. And of course, as usual, the whole week will be broken up into one-hour slots that we can each sign up for as we're able. We'll be praying for God to do a number of things. It's interesting, I, I, a number of people say, well, can we have a new prayer leaflet, please, because we've done that one. Well, you know what? We haven't. We'll have done that one when it's all fulfilled. Now, I will, put, I will change the front. I will add things. I will change it from time to time. But persistent, faithful prayer will go on for years, often. So we're going to be praying into the four wells or the four areas of church life that Julian Adams brought to Jubilee prophetically a few years ago. Praying into these four areas is a long-term calling. It won't happen overnight. The four areas we're praying for is a breakthrough and growth in the 25 to 35-year-old age group in partnership with other age groups. Okay? But there's, a, there's energy there. There's life there. We're praying for that. We want, we want, I'd love it if that was the biggest, biggest part of the church and we're thinking, wow, how do, we, how do we make the other age groups up? In every church I know, the, 20, the 20s to 35s is the, is the big gap. So we're, we're going to pray into that and keep praying into that. And then we're going to pray, we're praying for a breakthrough and, and, and development in worship and creativity. What's that look like? What does that mean? Is it just doing a few extra new things? No, it's about the Holy Spirit producing in us new creative things and finding a, a venue in, in, in worship and a, a mechanism in worship to express the things that God's putting in our hearts. We're going to be praying again for a breakthrough and an increase of signs and wonders, a flow of signs and wonders. Miracles, healings, mighty miracles. We want more of them, don't we? I was talking to uh, Ian Portwine from Durham just this week. We were over meeting with the elders in, at Jubilee, uh, sorry, at Hope Church, uh, Hartlepool. And he was saying, we're talking about healing, and he said, it's interesting, he says, it feels as though things have got a bit quiet again on the healing front. Because he's seen quite a bit of it. And I thought, yeah, if we have to persist because if we don't persist, we'll find it just goes quiet again. And it isn't God who makes it go quiet again. It's our lack of persistence. And so we need to pray, God, give us grace to persist and lay hold of you. And the fourth well we're praying into, this area, is that Jubilee, we're praying for it to become an apostolic resource base. And you might say, what's one of them? I'll, I'll talk about it more at some point. But it's not only for this local area, but, uh, but it's for this nation and the nations. God wants Jubilee to be a powerhouse for his purposes to the ends of the earth. I believe that. A resource base. And so we're praying into it. We're asking God for it. Does it seem a long way off? Yeah. 
Is it possible with God? Of course it is. And also, we're going to be, the things that we will be praying into as well, that, that we want to enter into, right now into all God has said, just of late, about the change of gear, the new wine, the new wineskins, the new landscapes. And God, we, we want that to be our experience. It's not just, that was a nice prophetic word, but we want to be able to look back and say, there's a change of momentum here. Think, things are moving on. Now, there is actually, in the Spirit, I sense that. But, but I want everybody to be caught up in it. It isn't just hype, it's the life of God. And the new wine, the new wineskin, structures will change because God's pouring, pouring his life in us. And the new landscape, what are we looking at? How do we see it? What's our expectation? Is it, are we looking into a promised land of blessing? I'm believing so. I'm asking God for that. So, I, I make no apology of, of, of preaching for ten minutes, or even more, on on prayer right at the beginning of this preach because actually prayer Paul just says I keep praying for you we are praying for you and if you read his letters we are praying for you we are working hard for you can't be any different for us can it so I encourage you I encourage you to the prayer meetings and to be fully taking your part in the week of prayer to come okay now to my three points I won't be too long so don't don't worry Pleasing God. As the church, the people of God, we're, we're called to live lives that are worthy of our Lord. Lives that bring him glory and honour. Lives that are pure and holy. Lives of integrity and honour. Lives of, of obedience to him. Lives that are a great witness in society. And so on. You would agree with that? Some of you. We're called to be honest, to keep the law of the land, to be pure, holy, godly in our relationships, to be truthful and encouraging in our speech. Our language should be edifying and a blessing, not coarse or dishonouring the Lord. And you know what, you can find all I've just said in Scripture, I haven't time to unpack that. But the, the Apostle Paul is praying that you may live a life worthy. I'm praying that you'll be able to live lives worthy of our God. Do, do, do you ever meet people who are... It's difficult because I'm old now. But, but do, you know, you, when I was young, I used to, to meet older people and they seemed so godly. I never thought I'd make it. And I'm not sure I have. But do, do, do you know what I mean? There's, there's a bearing about them. There's something about them of God that they go, wow. Terry Virgo's like that. Actually, Terry Virgo is very like that. You, you, you meet Terry, and, and uh, he prayed for me once. I, I was really embarrassed. I was standing behind, beside him in an elders and wives uh, regional meeting. And he suddenly leans over and said, Would you pray for me, please? Oh. Oh. So I, I prayed God's blessing on him, and he said, Thank you. Really refreshing. So we carry on worshipping, and I thought, Perhaps I'll have some of that. Terry, would, would, would you pray for me, please? Oh, I'd love to. And I tell you, it felt like he put his hand down deep inside and just blessed me. I, I can't explain it, because there was something of God that just changed me on the inside as this godly guy prayed for me. And I thought, oh, Lord, I want to be like that, please. Do, I, I, I want to be like that. And the Apostle Paul saying, I want you, the church, to be like that. I want you to, to be able to live lives that are worthy of your God and carry the anointing and the blessing in such a way that, that everybody you touch and everywhere you go are just blessed with the blessing of God. Would you like that? Does it seem a long way from where you're at? <laughs> Is it possible? Yes. There's a danger these days, in these days of Christians falling into the trap of thinking God's grace means how we live doesn't matter because God loves us anyway. But, oh, well, God loves me anyway. Well, that's true, God does love you, but it's also true that God still hates sin. He hates sin, he hates sinful behavior and lifestyle, and he will, if we live 
sinful lifestyles, it will bring us under his judgment. God will not tolerate sin. He will not tolerate sin in the church. He will not tolerate sin anywhere because it's totally contrary to who he is. Feel challenged by that? (laughs) Well, Mike feels challenged by that anyway. (laughs) I do. You know what my prayer is? God, I, I pray a holy fear of you comes on the church. I really do. God, just a glimpse of your glory and we'd be on our faces. In fact, before I came this morning, I said, Lord, would you fill this meeting with your glory, please? And we go, oh, that'd be nice. Do you think? It would be great. I don't mean only just a holy fear for Jubilee. I mean the church in this nation to have a holy fear of God. Awesome. In verse uh, 13 of Colossians 1, Paul says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought, it, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you're born again today, then you're a person who has been rescued from sin and all its consequences by the grace of God. Just, just say to yourself, I'm rescued. Turn to the person you're nearby. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at Andrew. That's <laughs> Just say, you're rescued. You, you can tell Charlotte as well if you want. Right. <laughs> you're rescued. Isn't it good to know you're rescued? I think it's great the fact that we're rescued. The problem is, you might have said, oh, I didn't realize I needed rescuing. Well, you did. You are lost and dying in your sin, heading for a lost eternity, and God has rescued you through the work of Jesus on the cross by his grace. You've come out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're now in God's kingdom, and you know what? Sin and ungodliness have no place in God's kingdom. You see, the truth is, God's grace didn't only come to set us free from sin, to rescue us, didn't only come to set us free from the consequences. God's grace comes to us today and every day to make us holy, enabling us to become like Jesus in our day-to-day living. And so we read in Romans 6, verse 14, For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. Grace enables us to say no to sin and yes to God. You know, those moments when sin is so enticing. Do you ever find that? Have you noticed that sin's always... It's not like, oh, isn't that horrible? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm really wanting to do it, but it's horrible. No, no. Usually sin's very attractive. Yeah? Sin is enticing. It draws you. Do, you. do you ever have that? Even as a Christian, you're aware. It's there. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But grace, the grace of God comes to us and enables us, gives us the strength to say no to that because it has no place in the kingdom and yes to God. And when you learn to do those things, you begin to sort of grow as a Christian. And you think, no, no, I'm not going to live that way because I've been set, I'm part of a new kingdom now, I'm going to live this way. But I can't do it in my own strength. It's not self-will, it's the grace of God comes to me and gives me his strength that enables me to say yes to him day after day after day. And when I do get it wrong and stumble, his grace picks me up, dusts me down and sets me on course. He doesn't say, beat yourself up now for a while. He says, you're clean, you're holy. Now, come on, I've given you grace. Now, let's keep walking right. That's what God does. We, are, we the church, are a people God has rescued for holiness. Rescued to live for his glory in this sin-sick world. Paul prays that the Colossians may be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they may live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. That sort of living bears fruit. Revelation as it comes as you read the word. But every time you read it, ask God to illuminate Ask God to burn it in your heart. So you open the word and and you say, thank you, Lord. 
this is true for me, this is life for me. You're showing me how to live. I'm praying that your eyes may be opened. I pray that you will have understanding. All spiritual wisdom will come to you. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit by his grace, growing us. Don't you think that's a good deal? It's not just, oh, I'm rescued. But he's maturing me and revealing truth to me and working in my life every day, right now. Isn't that worth celebrating? Isn't that being, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, really, when I'm making a pig's ear of life and I'm really feeling weary and tired and everything's going wrong. You are still the same. The truth is still the truth. Your grace still works and you're holding me tight. That, that's where my confidence lies. That's where, that's called maturity. That's the stuff that helps us live a, a life worthy of Him. My prayer for Jubilee. Lord, please fill us with all the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we increasingly live holy and devoted lives pleasing to you. It's my prayer for us. Okay, that's my first point. Living lives worthy. Next point is this, enduring well. We don't talk about endurance much. It's not really very nice, is it? How are you enduring today? It's not the sort of language you know, we, we'll, we'll say, are you managing, are you getting by? But endurance, that's a bit of a challenge, I find. And yet endurance is very much a part of the cost of following Jesus. The English Standard Version of the Bible translates verses 11 and 12 of our reading like this. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Taking up our cross daily and following Jesus requires endurance and patience. I was talking to a a leader of another church this week. Nobody you know. And he was complaining about how hard it was and how he needed a break. Now, I understand all that. I live there. But I waited until he'd spoken out his weariness. And then I said, well, praise God, you're not in prison. And he looked at me. And I then talked with him about how the Apostle Paul wrote so many of his letters from prison. Now, I'm not suggesting people don't need time out and that it's very hard at times in the Christian life because they do, and it is. However, there are times, I think, when we, the church in this country, need a, need a reality check. And I don't mean just jubilee. The Apostle Paul is honest about the cost of serving Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.8 We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we are suffering in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Well, come with me and follow Jesus. He says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.3, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The guy writing to the Hebrews in Hebrews 12.7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? And the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.20, But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. I don't know of any in the UK who are in prison in the UK for their faith right now. I don't know of any in the UK who've been put to death for their faith in recent years. Yet in other parts of the world, there are people in prison for their faith right now. And some have been martyred in recent years because they believed in Jesus. I wonder how we'd cope. You know, our friends Helmut and Judith, who... uh, lead the church in, in Izmir in Turkey. He had uh, three guys, three, two of them were very close friends, uh, who ran a printing press over on the east side of, 
of, of Turkey. There were missionaries that were printing Bibles. You're allowed to do that in Turkey. Turkey is a secular country. It's all above board and everything. And some, some Islamic extremists came in and they got these three guys and cut their throats just a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. Uh, it made the national, international press. And these were friends of Helmut and Judith. And you're working in the same nation and your friends have just had their throats cut because they're printing Bibles. Because they love Jesus. How do you think you feel? A bit unsettled? A bit uncertain? Pardon? All <laughs> oh, right. I think we have no knowledge of such things. The interesting thing is the funeral of two of these guys was at the church in Izmir. And believe it or not, it's the church that the, the New Frontiers Church meets at this Anglican church building. And so they, they had it in this Anglican church building. And the, the, the oddest thing about it is thousands of people came. And the streets were thousands of people came for these funerals. People were affronted because people were being put to death because of Jesus. There are martyrs today. There are other countries where we, we know very little about, where people are in prison, people are being killed, and there's no publicity and nobody knows. As I read church history, I read of imprisonment, hardship, martyrdom as the gospel advances. I read of a guy called Jim Elliot and his four missionary friends who were seeking to take the gospel to the tribe in Ecuador, in the Ecuadorian jungle in 1956. And as soon as they made their first face-to-face contact with this tribe, they were killed, speared to death, leaving behind at home wives and children to mourn them. How do you think the families cope with such pain. These were people, we're, we're, we're going out for Jesus. We're taking the gospel to the ends of the world. Right, isn't it good? Let's, let's, let's go on an adventure. How do you cope? What went wrong? Lots of people said, oh, perhaps they shouldn't have gone. Why not? You see it in scripture. You see it through church history. I'll tell you how the families coped. Within a few years, Jim Elliot's wife and daughter and a sister of one of the other men went back to Ecuador to work with the same tribe who had killed their men. And today the tribe is predominantly Christian. That's the church advancing. But it does require great endurance. We talk of seeing Teesside transformed by the gospel. But we must understand that it's a battle that will require from us great endurance as we face disappointments and setbacks. It's not easy. It's not easy. Because it's a spiritual warfare, it's not just a practical one. The forces of darkness do not want the gospel to come to Teesside. But the gospel breaks through all of that, but often at great cost. I made a decision as a young man, many years ago, I said to God this, the last thing I want to be is a fair-weather Christian. You're going to have to help me, God, because I know what I'm like. You read about all these heroes who die for their faith, and I thought, Lord, I've got a yellow stripe down my back this wide. That's the truth of it. Don't know about you. Have you got one? But mine's bigger than yours. I'm no hero. I'm really not. You know, you you read of guys who are big adventurers who go abseiling and climbing and skydiving and, you know, jumping off cliffs for fun. Everything in me shrivels at the thought of anything like that. You know, get me a foot off the ground and I go dizzy. Get me in water and I go, I panic. I'm no hero. I'm just not. That's the reality. And most of us aren't heroes. We emulate the heroes, we read of Superman, we read the big stories of the big people and we go, wow, wouldn't it be great if I was one of them? But we know deep on the inside, we're not like that at all. We're we're like, but I'm me. And yet Jesus takes the ordinary people, the ordinary things of this world to confound the wise, the weak to confound. You think, oh God, might that be me? Might that be us? 
Yeah, it's called the church. And so I prayed this rather scary prayer. I said, God, I don't want to be a fair-weather Christian. I, I want to pay the price. I, I, want, I want it to count. I, I, I just don't want to be somebody who said, well, I lived the Christian life, sort of. What's the point in that? There's just no point. It, it, it's just no gospel at all. Our gospel takes us to eternity. Our gospel gives us hope beyond the grave. If it doesn't do that, we've got nothing. So I said to God, I'm in this for the long haul. And I'm still here. and It's still a haul. And I, I just, I respectfully want to ask you a question. Are you a fair-weather Christian? Or are you in this for the long haul, for better or worse? I, I don't particularly want you to shout the answer, but, but that, that's what we're about. If, if you want to get inspired, could I encourage you to get hold of some missionary books, some stuff about people who've done exploits, some things about church history, where you see the move of God. I've got some books about the history of the Salvation Army that are just amazing. Huge success in the UK, but on the way, people were put to death and murdered in the streets because of their faith. Something in you goes, yes, Lord, I want to count like that. I want to make a difference. Don't you want to make a difference? Something in you says, yeah, let me be like that. And then you look at the cost and you go, that much? All I know is this, God is faithful. God is faithful. There's a, there's a verse in Scripture somewhere I meant to put into this. It says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Endurance. I think I've told you, my first encounter with Julian Adams was in 2005. I didn't know who he was. I'm in a room with about six guys I thought he'd get crashed the party, really, in prayer. And then he's going around the room and he starts, he comes, his very first words to me were this, retirement for you will never be an option. <laughs> Didn't know who he was. I thought, who are you? <laughs> and then he says, and you've got two children, a boy and a girl, and he tells me all about them, he tells me my concerns about them, and I'm like, Oh, and retirement will never be an option. So you might think, well, that means I'm not going to live long. <laughs> but before I came here, a, a guy, I got a lot of prayer about the long-term nature of what we're about in Teesside. And one guy said, I saw God fitting you with a Duracell battery. And he says, it means you've got a long life because there's lots to do. And all I could think of was pink bunnies climbing up mountains. <laughs> I'm in this for the long haul. Now, please be assured, I, I, you won't have me at 90 still trying to lead Jubilee. I, I don't, it's not about position. It's nothing like that. It's about being a servant of Jesus Christ till I die. I cannot understand church leaders who get to 65 and say, well, I've done it now, and then never do anything again, pop along to church occasionally, just, you know, sit back, get fat, and whatever. I, I can't, it's beyond me. Lord, oh, forgive me if I'm judging, but I, they need a good slap. But, <laughs> the, the, the point the point for me is this, we are saved for, for eternity, we're called to purpose. The calling isn't about a job or a position, it's about a people. It may be in the workplace, it may be in the home, it may be in the school, but you don't retire from that. Your job changes, your roles change, life changes, but we go on and on and on and live for him with great endurance in the good times and the bad times. There's, it's, it's, it's good, there's life here at Jubilee, but people leave. We have to still thank God. People come, we thank God, but our confidence is not in people going or people coming. 
Our confidence is in the Lord. We thank Him and we praise Him because our faith grows. We thank Him and we praise Him because we love one another. That's the value. That's what keeps us going. Not how big the church is getting or not. Oh, I want to see Jubilee. Thousands and thousands of us impacting Teesside along with all the other churches growing to thousands and thousands. But it's not about what we see. It's not about the numbers. It's is Jesus being glorified. Are we seeking his face? Are we calling on him as his people, saying, God, unless you do this, we're finished. That's why we have to pray, because what he's calling us to is so far beyond us. And it's not like, oh, well, we'll get a leader who can do it then, and I'll resign. Feel free, but I've got an answer for you. There isn't one. There isn't one. It's not about clever people. It's about an awesome God. And we call on him. Where do we get the strength for endurance? What keeps us going when others walk away? What keeps us going when things don't work out as we'd hoped? What keeps us praising God even if we're put in prison for our faith? The strength of the Lord Jesus Christ keeps us going. His strength at work in me. That's what grace does. His strength at work in me. His power is limitless. His grace is unending. And the joy he brings satisfies our lives fully. It does. Tell you, if your satisfaction, if you're struggling with frustration, there's only one place for you to look. And that's to Jesus. If you're thinking, if I can only get that job, or if I can only have that role, if I can only do this, or have that amount of money, then I'll be satisfied. I promise you, you won't be. You won't be. I love the way Simon started this morning. I, I, I was amazed. He said, do, do, do we need lots of money to praise God? Do, do, do we need good situations? Do we need... And then we'll praise God. No. We praise him because of who he is. And you know what? As children of God, we have everything right now. Everything. And so his strength at work in us is what keeps us going, keeps us enduring. I started my preach last week by telling you that I love Jesus. Do you remember? No, you don't remember, but never mind. I need to tell you something. I love him this week too. Do you get me? I love him this week just as much and a bit more. That's the nature of our Christian life. That's the nature of our calling. It's about Jesus. My love for him is not based on how well things have gone this week or how busy I've been or how much rest I've had or anything else. My love for Jesus is based on the love that he has for me because he fills my heart with peace and joy every day. And he loves you too. Brings me to my last point and it's very brief. My first point last week was thankfulness. My final point this week is giving thanks. The chapter starts with Paul giving thanks for this new church. Now here in verse 12, Paul is praying that the church in Colossae, and he's praying for us here too at Jubilee, that we would be a thankful people. A people giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We have it all. Thank you, Jesus. We have it all. We have new life. We are born again. We're made brand new. We're not just something that's been stuck together and patched up, hoping that we'll get through. We are brand new on the inside. Every day, I am, I'm new in Him. It's a, I'm alive in Him. And that's true of you. You are a child of God forever. Isn't it good? Aren't you thrilled? Yes. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it, let truth burn in your heart. Why do, I, why do I preach and preach 
Why do I do things like Word Plus? Because truth sets you free. Our confidence is not based on how we feel. Ooh, ah. Or not. A bit of ooh and ah is quite nice, but that's not what I'm talking about. What, what I'm talking about is this. Our confidence is based on the truth of what Jesus has done, the price that's been paid, what is won for me, and who I am in him. I am in him. And that doesn't change. It doesn't change. It never changes. It's what we stand on. He's the rock and all he's done, we live in the good of. And that, that's why we're thankful. Thank you, Lord. I can praise you in prison. The Apostle Paul in prison, sometimes in the deepest dungeon. And what do they do? They sing hymns of praise to God. Because they have it all. Nobody can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. doesn't matter where we are, what our circumstances, how difficult the family thing is, whatever We are children of God and we can praise our God because we've got it all now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we read of Stephen, the first martyr. Do you remember? You you read that and think, don't fancy that, he was stoned. Don't, Don't fancy that. But he annoyed them all the more because he's going, oh, look, I see Jesus. He's captivated by Jesus while he's being pelted with stones. Oh, wow. I, I just, it's just important we have a reality check. That's, that's all I feel. We're going to be thankful, but please, let's not be superficial. I love Jubilee. I'm here for the long haul. And we have a calling upon us. And you know what? God's going to do it, and God's going to bless us, and we're going to see great fruit. But yes, it'll be hard. We will be disappointed. We will get at times disillusioned and we'll have to struggle our way through. But you know what? He's worthy of our praise every day. Let's commit ourselves to that. We have so much to be thankful for. I finish with this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 18. The Apostle Paul says this, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'd like to put that up everywhere. (laughs) Let's take a few minutes to be thankful. Can we do that? Just take some time to be thankful. Let's pray. He's going to lead us in prayer. But I want you just to to ponder for a few minutes. Thank you, Lord, that I'm your child. There may be all sorts of grot going on around your life, I don't know, but just start getting your focus on Jesus. If the band could come up when they get a a minute, that would be great. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you came for us. You so loved us that you came and you endured, you endured humanity, you endured weakness, you endured ridicule, You endured suffering. You endured rejection. You endured a crown of thorns. You endured nails hammered through your hands and feet. You endured as your blood was dripping down for hours onto this dry, dusty ground. And your prayer was, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you did that and you did it for us. And you went to the point and you endured death itself and you suffered death itself. Total separation from Father, total separation. That death, that experience that's totally part of the human condition. You, our God, took it upon yourself and you went to it and you, you experienced it and then you broke it. You broke death wide open for all time. You, you demolished it. 
And Lord, I thank you that every one of us today, we are saved. Those who are saved, we, we have been washed clean by your shed blood. We've been made right before God. And we now do not need to fear death or anything else because we are gods and we will rise again and we will have new bodies and we have an eternal hope. And I thank you, Lord. Right now, we're called to share with you in the outworking of your wonderful purposes on this earth. That's what you've saved us for. That's what every one of us are called for, to give our lives that we can work for your purposes to be worked out on the earth. Lord, I pray, I pray you will help us walk worthily with you, live lives worthy before you. I pray, Lord, you will help us, please, please help us endure well. Help us endure with grace. Help us always to be thankful and full of praise, not grumbling and complaining. Lord, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for life. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you that we have a hope. We thank you that it's all yours and we rest totally on your power and your strength and it's not in our hands. We thank you for that. But wonderfully, we thank you that you've drawn us into the involvement with you. You call us to be working with you in the outworking of your plans. We're not just bystanders. I thank you for that. We give you praise today. We are a thankful people. Lord, I pray you will pour upon us a thankful spirit as a church. A grateful, thankful spirit. I pray you will lay hold of us in such a way that will be a momentum of praise, a momentum of thanksgiving, a momentum of joy, a momentum of, of living worthily for you. Lord, we, we want to be like that. We want that to be our experience. And we can't make it up. We can't force ourselves. We say, it's all of your grace. But we want it, Lord. We're hungry for it. This is the blessing that comes to us from heaven. This is the rain we're talking about. Not just a little warm fuzzy every now and again. It's, it's, it's life-changing stuff that comes to us from God by his grace. Bring it on, God. We are so thankful. We are so thankful. We do bless your name. Amen. Would you like to, uh, if you've anything to say, fill inside B of your card or...